voting rights. So this is fascinating to me. Um, let's take a look at this, an honest, unemotional look. So there is a bill in Congress that would provide the government set standards for the national vote. Okay. Democrats want it. Republicans don't. The reason the bill hasn't been voted on yet is because there are a number of Democrats in the Senate that won't support it. Even if it passes, it's unconstitutional. It's clear in the Constitution that votes and how they are gathered are the precincts of the individual states. So, yes, there's a Voting Rights Act and you, and you can make um, you can make some changes, but you can't take it over. Okay, you can't provide a, a uniform code from Washington and how it goes down. So it's an unconstitutional play, but the Democrats are doing this to galvanize black votes primarily, but Hispanic votes as well, minority votes, by telling those groups that you are being persecuted by the Republicans. The Republicans don't want you to vote. That's what this is all about. It's a straight political play. Democrats don't want any standards of uh, voting um, consequences. Republicans want tight scrutiny of the election. So let's get specific. The big thing for me as an American citizen is we don't require an ID in this new bill. So you can vote without an ID. And if you want an ID, you're a racist, according to some Democrats. How? How? How is saying that you have to prove who you are before you vote racist? In what way? I have never heard a cogent answer to that question. Never. And the government will provide free IDs. Now, if the Democrats can tell me why an ID to vote is racist and why we shouldn't have it, I'll listen. But again, it's been going on for years. Never one time has Joe Biden or anybody else been able to articulate why that's racist. So if it is racist, Canada's racist. All right. In 2007, they passed a law. You got to have an ID to vote. Mexico's racist. All right. They have photo voting cards you have to show before you cast a ballot in Mexico. And 47 countries in Europe have ID requirements to vote. They're all racist, I guess. I guess. The second thing is accountability. So as you know, when you go to the poll to cast a ballot, that you go to a precinct, okay, there's not electioneering allowed. You can't stand there outside the polling place and say, vote for this person, vote for that person. Can't give anybody anything, even water. It's against the law. But in mail-in balloting, and the Democrats want 100% mail-in now, they even want computer balloting. So you would vote by computer, your own computer, and funnel it in. And they want universal mail-in ballots. There are no laws, as we saw with the Mark Zuckerberg situation where he donated $430 million from his foundation to two groups that hired people to canvas mail-in votes. In some places, 
help the people fill them out, take the votes, physically take them, that's called bundling, and bring them to the precinct. There are no laws, no regulations about what a person can do in that situation. So you could, and I'm sure it happens, go in and say, if an elderly person or a person who doesn't know very much or what mentally disabled, you know, just do this, just check this and just sign here and I'll take your vote. Okay, why do you think Zuckerberg put 430 million into it? And 90% of that money went to harvesting Democrat votes. 90% of it. Why do you think he did it? And all in states that were this close between Biden and Trump. Come on, let's do the math. Yet the federal government wants to pass a law that says there are no requirements at all on this kind of a situation, that you can do this, but you can't do it at the polling place. So those two things, I'm out. I'm sorry. I know what this is. This is an attempt to manipulate. And again, if people can't show an ID or can't fill out their own ballot without somebody standing there, then they shouldn't be able to vote. In my opinion, those are the two big things. So anyway, it's not going to get passed. Not only is it unconstitutional, but a variety of Democratic senators, including Manchin, Cinema, Kelly, Tester, Shaheen in New Hampshire, they're not really on board with this. Now, maybe Schumer will be able to twist their arm, maybe. You know, he seems to think he's got the votes, but Cinema in Arizona have been very clear and not vote for it. Well, I don't know how it gets passed, even if it comes up. Okay. Um, in New York City, the new mayor, Eric Adams, supposed to be some kind of moderate, which he's not, all right, has okayed non-citizens voting. <laughs> so now about 800,000 non-American citizens vote in New York City elections. 800,000. Of course, it took about an hour and a half for a lawsuit to be filed because it's clearly unconstitutional. We went over it yesterday. In the Constitution states you have to be a citizen. We can't just be here. All right? And, and Adams doesn't know who these 800,000 people are. Who are they? Did they sneak across the border? Did they overstay their visa? Who are they? Adam doesn't know, but let him vote anyway. No. So that's not going to happen in New York State. The, the state authorities, the judges, will rule it's unconstitutional. They have to. All right. Again, if we unless we don't have any laws anymore, which is coming. Uh, let's go to COVID. Um, now, this COVID thing drives me nuts. And I, I I'm an intelligent guy. Uh, I follow this as closely as I can follow it because it affects all of us, our whole lives, our children, economics, jobs. And I still don't know what the deuce is going on after all this time. And that's why Biden's Approval numbers are going down because nobody knows what's going on. Okay. We broke a record in hospitalizations for COVID yesterday. All right. 146,000 people in the hospital for COVID, but not just COVID. Okay. A lot of those people have other stuff. And that's why they're in the hospital. Okay. But we don't know how many. So that's the record. And 
part of the problem here is that there are four questions that are unanswered. I'll go them again. Very simple questions. I did this on the radio today. First question, okay? Does the vaccine that we have protect against Omicron? Yes or no? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez got it, and she's vaxxed to the hilt, she says. So apparently it doesn't protect against Omicron. I don't know. Do you know? Does Biden know? Does Fauci know? Second question. When does the vax wane? How long? Has there been a study? It's been two years. Is there an average? Third question. If you get COVID, if you've had it, as 57 million Americans have, are you protected? Because now we hear people getting COVID twice. And if you are protected with antibodies, how long? Nobody knows. And finally, do masks protect you? What's the mask thing? Are there any studies that we can point to? Mask people here, unmask there. COVID guy in the middle, give me something. And that's, again, why Biden, um, why his um, approval rating is falling because he doesn't have any answers. Get facts, get facts, wear the mask, wear the mask. Okay, but give me some data. So Sotomayor, the Supreme Court justice, who's hearing a case on whether Biden has a right to mandate facts, force you to get it, or you lose your job, she comes out yesterday, or over the weekend, I should say, and says 100,000 children, all right, are hospitalized with COVID. And then the CDC comes out and goes, Ooh, no, 6,000. <laughs> well, that's a pretty big gap. Sotomayor is going to make a decision on this. 100,000 kids in the hospital, CDC 6,000. So on the far left program, The View, a woman named Sonny Hassan tries to stick up for Sotomayor. Roll the tape. And right now we have 82,843 um, children uh, sick with, with COVID. More than 1,000 children have died from the virus. Um, and in addition, uh, about 7.8 million children have caught COVID since uh, the pandemic started. And, and so, so that, that, those are just, just the numbers. Okay, but she's got them all wrong. Uh, You know, I'll just give you the numbers now. Okay, this is from the federal government. So about 580,000 children caught COVID in the first week of this year. 580,000, that's a lot. All right, so it's way more than Ms. Hostin says. Um, Only... I shouldn't say only. It sounds callous, and I don't mean to do that. But for the start of the uh, epidemic, about 721 children have died from COVID in the last two years. It's a very low number. Okay? And 8.5 children have tested positive for COVID since the start of the pandemic two years ago. So it's clear that children can get it, but it's not as severe in minors under 18 than it is in adults. That's the truth. Now, finally, there is a study, and this is an important thing for you anti-vaxxers out there, you skeptics, to pay attention to. All right? This study, now I know some anti-vaxxers are not going to believe any study 
from the government. You don't trust the government. I got it. But it's my job to present you what comes out of the federal government here. So this study was by the Centers for Disease Control, and it came out this week. And here's what it says. Roll. The overwhelming number of deaths, over 75%, occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. So really, these are people who were unwell to begin with. And yes, really encouraging news in the context of Omicron. This um, means not only just to get your primary series, but to get your booster series. Um, and yes, we're really encouraged um, by these results. All right. So she's basically saying that if you get uh, vaccinated, you're not going to die. Okay, that's that's what this is all about. Now, you may get it. Omicron, as she puts it, or Omicron, as the South Africans put it, you may get it, but you're not going to die. And I think that's true based upon anecdotal, because a lot of my friends have it. Long Island, it's all over the place and they're down for a day or two and then they're okay. It's like the flu. But if you're unvaccinated and you get it, then you could get you know, in serious, serious trouble. That's the study. Again, you can write me all day long. My job to present you with this information. Now, here's a story that is just amazing that nobody will tell you about. And if you people live in California, don't pay attention to this. You're out of your minds. Everything is expensive these days. You know that the government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. So there is a proposed bill came up January 6th, last Thursday. The bill came into uh, Sacramento, the capital of California. Remember, there are 39 million Americans, citizens in California, another I don't know, five or six million illegal aliens. So it's by far the most populated state. So the bill is called CalCare. And it says that the state of California will take over the entire healthcare system in, for every California, all 45 million people. Okay. It's going to be a single payer, which means that your taxes are paid to Sacramento. And in return, you will get ready. 24-hour emergency services, prescription drugs, all right, medical devices, mental health care, reproductive maternity and newborn care, that means babysitters, and dentist stuff, all right, oral health, 
all paid for by Sacramento. And you, the citizen of California, you don't have to pay premiums, co-payments, deductibles, or anything. It was all free. But it's not free. So in order to pay for this, and California can't pay for it in their present structure, they have to raise taxes on everybody earning over a certain amount of money, say 80000 and all companies and corporations. And they have to raise taxes big. But even then, they've never come close to covering the cost. So they're going to have to seize private property in order to institute CalCare. And that's what this is all about. It's a socialist play to seize the property of Californians. Because if California can't pay for CalCare and it passes it, then its bond status goes to junk. Nobody will invest in the state. They'll get no money from anyone. And the whole state will go into bankruptcy. The only way you can fund this is to seize private property. Now, what do I mean by that? So say you have a $6 million home in California, which is not an astronomical price out there. Well, you would be taxed on the value of that home, not only locally for property taxes, which are capped. There'd be a state tax. Maybe it's 5%, maybe it's 3 whatever it may be. Every year. So in order to live in that house, you'd have to pay a hefty amount of your money to Sacramento. Not only that, if you have stocks in your portfolio, including retirement accounts and college accounts, the value of those stocks, even though you didn't sell them, would be taxed, just like your home, right to Sacramento. That's what they want. That's socialism. The government controls the entire medical industry and takes your private property. They'd have to. They will. So if you live in California now and you have a good job and a nice home, Sacramento wants a piece of that for this CalCare. Now, why will it pass? Because most people out of the 45 million, remember, illegal aliens will get all this. All of it, okay? Most people don't have a $6 million home or an $80,000 job. So they won't get taxed. And that's the majority of people. But this will destroy the financial infrastructure of the state, and you'll have a socialistic state. And believe me, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, Oregon, Washington State, they'll follow. If this goes through, they'll follow the same blueprint. Now, you're not going to hear that story anywhere. And now I got a guest who's an expert on this healthcare business, Dr. Bob Moffitt. He is uh, the author of a book called No Choices, No Exit The Left's Plan for Your Healthcare. And he uh, is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation, joins us now from Maryland. So am I overstating, doctor? Am I making any mistakes? I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. Last time that they came out with this idea, the cost was $400 billion. 
the current tax proposals that they're coming up with right now don't come close to that. It's about 160 to 170 billion dollars. So they're making an enormous promise. They're going to take over one of the most complex sectors of the American economy, and they're going to have it run by the California state government, and they're not going to be able to finance the, uh, the total cost of this thing. The truth of the matter is, and it's not debatable, is that Californians will actually end up paying more for healthcare with this system than they would if in fact they, we continue to have them pay premiums, deductibles, co-insurance, co-payments, and so on. All of these programs overpromise, they underdeliver, and the consequence of that is that people have lower quality health care and higher costs. Now, California might say, well, I'll go to concierge services with my doctor and I'll if just go around you. it. You can't. If they allow you. They won't. The, In the well, bill, no, I mean, says you can't. Every doctor correct. operating in California, every medical clinic has to go through the state. They can't operate independently. That's outrageous. Well, of course it's outrageous. They're doing away with the doctor-patient relationship as we know it. Your relationship with the doctor is going to be dependent upon what government officials say that relationship can be. That's the problem. And in fact, understand this. This is not new. Uh, the Bernie Sanders bill basically does the same thing, effectively at the national level. Uh, it says, in effect, yeah, you can have a private relationship with the doctor, but only if the doctor agrees to give up all reimbursement uh, from the government and drop out of the program for two or three years or something like that. Uh, they're doing the same thing here. Uh, they're denying any kind of independent relationship with a physician. Uh, but this isn't is very this, dangerous. This, is, this is the road to socialism. This is what this is. Once you go it's, in and start to take people's private property by levying a tax on the value of their home or their stock and bond portfolio, even though you haven't sold it, because when you sell your stocks and your bonds, you have to pay a capital gains tax. Okay, they already got you there, but they want unrealized stocks and bonds. They want to tax you on what you're holding. The same thing with your house. And that's socialism. They're coming in to take private property. So my question is, this would be challenged in a court as unconstitutional. Oh, yeah. Would that yeah. challenge hold? Well, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, the fact is, is that they're talking about expanding a level of government control over personal life that we have never seen before. And even at the state level, uh, where the states do have a lot of authority, no question about it, uh, it looks to me that if in fact you violate a person's right to have a, an independent relationship with a doctor, if you're talking about discriminatory, discriminatory tax policy, then I think you've got, a, you've got some kind of a legal case. It would, again, I'm not a lawyer, I don't wanna judge you know, a legal question, but uh, this is well, it would definitely be challenged to, to the U.S. Supreme Court, not the Supreme Court of, of California. Final question is that, as I pointed out, most Californians, you said, well, people will pay more. Well, they'll pay more if they're high wage earners. But if they're not earning anything um, and remember, a lot of undocumented people work off the books in the California yeah. agricultural industry and homes and, and things like that. So if they don't have any income, they're getting free medical care and they're not going to pay more. They're going to get it free. And that's why well, they're getting it now. Yeah, that's why they're this stuff, free medical care. That's why there isn't this giant out 
uprising in California because most of people calculate, well, this is good for me. I don't care about the people who have earned things too bad. And that's really right. the bottom line, isn't it? Well, what it is, it's creating a, cl a class system where basically the middle class will be crushed by increasing levels of taxation. And uh, on top of that, the control over their exercise of their personal freedom, including their freedom to access the kind of health care that they want. Uh, but you're seeing basically a situation where you have basically a war on the middle class. And that's yeah, why well, that's what Karl Marx wanted. Karl Marx yeah. and his manifesto wanted to divide populations by race. And he said that's the quickest way to communism. And it is. Hey, doctor, thanks very much for your expertise. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Now, the media is no help here with COVID because they've taken sides. So the conservative media, very skeptical about vaccines. I think that's a true statement. The liberal media loves the vaccines and the masks and the lockdowns and everything. They love it. Now, you can apply whatever, you know, rationale to either side you want. But I think that's a true statement. So you're not going to get any accurate reporting or much accurate reporting about COVID, which is unbelievable. And in the political realm, forget it. So hard news reporters hired by corporate media outlets now in their hard news presentations are injecting opinion. I'm going to give you two examples. The first one comes from PBS. Uh, Yamish Alcinder is the White House correspondent for PBS. Roll the tape. Republican voters, they're very interested in just trying to find people who are loyal to the Trump brand, who are going to try to find a way to, to change the voting laws in this country to make sure that Republicans win rather than earning the vote. That's an opinion from a White House correspondent. It's not a fact. All right. Second one is from John Carl who works for ABC News. Now, when I worked at ABC under Peter Jennings, it was owned by a different company. And there were stringent separations between news and opinion. In fact, the only broadcast that had opinion was Nightline. And Koppel played it pretty well down the line, straight on the line. I don't count the morning shows because that's basically entertainment. But you didn't have any opinion on world news tonight. And if you tried to inject it into your story, you'd get in trouble if you were a correspondent. But not now. White House correspondent for ABC, Jonathan Carl, go. And I think it's seen clearly from, from the, the day of the election was that he could never acknowledge he lost because he believes that his power his power is based on the idea and the image that he is a guy who never loses. Now, that, that's never been true, but that's the image he has projected. He could not acknowledge losing because he thought that would cause him to lose his support. And he's been success, successful in convincing millions and millions of Republican voters that he didn't lose. All right. He's talking about Donald Trump. OK. And uh, this, again, is the White House correspondent for ABC News. He wrote a book, a hate Trump book. Now, he's OK writing a book. That's all right, because he's not, as an author, he's not writing under the banner of Disney ABC. But he goes on, and he, this is outrageous, his opinion. All Republicans, okay, um, prop up Trump in a dishonest way. I mean, come on. 
So anyway, um, the reason I'm telling you all this is because I got a very interesting guest for you to talk about. And I feel this is one of the most important problems the United States faces a dishonest media. Now, as you may know, we have a foreign news partner. It is called The Daily Chatter, thedailychatter.com. And it is very, very straight. So if I want to know something overseas, I go to The Daily Chatter, which I get every morning. And you can get it too, dailychatter.com. Okay, because it isn't ideological. They're telling me what's happening overseas. And because we don't have the staff at BillOReilly.com to cover overseas, I can't take BBC. I can't take uh, the French news agency. I can't, you're not going to get, you're going to get it all slanted, but not from Daily Chatter. The guy who runs it is named Phil Balboni. He was my news director when I worked for WCVB-TV in Boston. Now, it's an interesting story because they hired me to be a reporter. All right. So I would come on at 11 o'clock and I would report a big story in a straightforward manner. Give you the facts. That's what I would do. But then they promoted me to a commentator. All right. But I couldn't do the reporting anymore. Because I was doing commentary every night at 11 o'clock in Boston. I was giving you my opinion, clearly labeled, all right? It, and it worked. Bostonians, the news audience up there, very sophisticated. They knew, okay, now it's a different role, and he's a commentator, all right? And then I went back to straight news at ABC, and then I went back to commentary at Fox News. But in my roles, I kept in the traditional journalistic ethical standard. I did that. Well, now Phil Balboni has been honored by Columbia Journalism School with the creation of the Philip S. Balboni Professorship in Local Journalism. It's an endowed chair, and he joins us now from Cambridge, Massachusetts, the heart of the left in America, <laughs> Cambridge. Okay, so this is, a, this is a big honor, and you deserve it. Um, I had two news directors in my local news experience that were extraordinary, you and Steve Cohen at WCBS in New York. And um, I know that you remain a journalism purist. So my first question is, when did this all start to go haywire, where hard news in the corporate media could morph into opinion with no problem? When did that happen? First of all, Bill, it's great to see you. Thank you. Um, I would say the late 1990s, uh, early 2000s would be about the time that things started to go in the wrong direction. Um, you know, the Internet is blamed for a lot of things. It's not the cause of all of our problems, but I think the Internet and the rise of social media was had some role to play in this getting away from the standards that you and I learned um, at an early age. Um, I think cable news um, had a role to play as well. Um, you know, um, when it was all reporting, it was it was great. And you're talking about the broadcast networks that had very high standards. But um, I think a lot of the programming and cable news in the particularly in the evening was more opinion oriented. 
and I think people uh, began to blur the lines between the reporting and what was opinion. Um, but in cable news, Phil, it's clearly labeled, you know, the show like The O'Reilly Factor, you knew it was me, you knew it was an opinion, just like when I was on Channel 5 in Boston. When uh, I came on, everybody knew it was an opinion, and there's nothing wrong with that, all right? right? Because the newspaper has an op-ed page, you know that's an opinion page. There's nothing wrong with it. But now, a company like Disney has to know, I don't think they care, that Jonathan Carl hates Donald Trump, yeah. hates him, okay? Yes. So why is he the White House correspondent? Give him another B, right? Uh, yeah, shouldn't be. I mean, just to continue my, my, my narrative here, I mean, I think that the, you know, the greatly increased polarization in the country has seeped into the culture of a lot of these newsrooms. And uh, I think uh, people, the leaders of newsrooms have uh, allowed uh, this to happen. Uh, I think sometimes they're afraid because the culture of a lot of newsrooms um, um, is is very different. Uh, we have a whole new generation of journalists who are working, who've never really had strong leadership uh, with strong standards above them. And uh, I think um, it's Clearly, these standards are not being enforced. No, the way I mean, should. most newsrooms are left wing. Let's put it. Let's be honest. They're left wing. Uh, they hire leftists to do their uh, reporting for them. And the standards aren't there. Is it the same? Because I don't watch, you know, when I watch New York local news, it's basically a giant weather forecast for half an yeah, hour. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. what they're, co they're covering weather. If there's a heinous crime, they'll cover it. Big fire like we had here in the Bronx. They're all over that. But they don't really do much else, okay? I don't see a pronounced left wing um, uh, bent in New York City local news. I know yeah. them all. They're not yeah. ideologues. Um, but it's not what it used to be when you and I were working in Boston. So what's happened there? Well, I think local news, whether it's broadcast or uh, newspapers, they've retained uh, you know, higher standards, more uh, straight down the middle approach. And uh, even though the substance is not what it used to be, when you were on um, New Center 5, as we called it, uh, we had extraordinary commitment to, you know, local reporting of substance. And uh, that's gone. The time for it is no longer there. And there's a lot of weather and sports and and other things that are hardly important news. But yeah, and it's a lot of that money too. It costs money to do investigations. I remember you, uh, when I was at uh, Channel 5, Martha Raditz, who's now at ABC, was yes. also on the staff. And you sent her to the Philippines because there was a Philippine yeah. community in Boston. Yeah. Yeah, and we, uh, we, there were riots and stuff going on in the Philippines. So all yes. of a sudden, Raditz is on a plane. Um, going to the Philippines to cover for a local station. You never see that now. That would be impossible to happen impossible. now. Impossible. Absolutely impossible. You're right. So isn't You're it right. all about money? Isn't the big corporations, they've decided they can make more money speaking to the choir than informing the American people about what's true? Isn't that the bottom line on this? It's probably a big part of it, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to say that everyone is uh, doesn't care about uh, journalism or reporting the truth, but I think um, they're all owned by big companies and um, there isn't that sense of public service that um, 
when I started my journalism career in 1967 in Richmond, Virginia, I was proud to be a reporter. The people in the community admired journalists, and we don't see that very much. Yeah. And journal, journalism polls are at the bottom down there with Congress. We're, down, we're right. way down there. But, you know, I, I know you're going to ask me, is there any hope? And I do want to say I, I believe there is. Uh, I think it's going to take time. Uh, we, as I said, we have a new generation of journalists who uh, have learned it one way that isn't the right way. But um, I think all of us who are still in the profession, you, me and, and others, you know, have an important part to play. Look, I've started um, a number of companies that have all had the same old-fashioned values in Daily Chatter. I mean, we're passionately committed to being independent and Absolutely. And that's why we partnered up with you. Well, I hope you're right about it. I don't think you are. I think journalism is done and it's not going to come back. But uh, Balboni is smarter than O'Reilly. So, you know, you got to put your money on him on this one. But I want everybody to check out dailychatter.com. Uh, if you want foreign news, that is an excellent source. Hey, thanks, Phil. Stay safe Thank up you, there in Cambridge. Say hello to Elizabeth Warren for me when you see her floating around, all right? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Okay, so let's go to Michelle Obama, who... For the first time in um, four years, has kind of emerged in the world of politics. So yesterday, front a uh, big full page ad in The New York Times. Uh, Michelle Obama wants to get a million new people registered to vote. Not a bad thing. OK, registered to vote if you're a U.S. citizen. Yeah, I, I want you to be registered. But Michelle Obama wants you to be registered and vote Democrat. <laughs> OK, she's not looking for not going to Wyoming to get people to register. So she's got a foundation, all right, in order to do this. And, um, you know, she's asking for, I guess, donations to help her out. She's going to train 100,000 volunteers to register new voters. And so the importance of this story is um, that she's back in uh, the political arena. She, if she wanted the nomination in 2024, she'd get it. Just keep that in mind. So co-chairs of her foundation, which is named When We All Vote, that is Michelle Obama's foundation, Tom Hanks, Megan Rapinoe, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Faith Hill, Selena Gomez. They're on the board. All right. I don't need to comment on them. Uh, I didn't know this story, but it's been around since December 3rd, 2021, when Donald Trump was president. So the 
whole foods chain. I have one in my neighborhood. It's pretty good. They have healthier food than the other stores. Um, they told their employees, you can't wear apparel that says Black Lives Matter. Okay? So I guess some of their employees were in headbands or T-shirts or whatever. So Whole Foods says that its dress code policy um, does not allow any messages unrelated to its grocery business, which makes sense, right? Why do you want to alienate customers, right? You got a grocery store, no politics among the employees, right? No. The U.S. Labor Board, okay, is saying that Whole Foods is violating copyright and constitutional rights um, by limiting what their employees can do. So now it's in court. All right. It's amazing. The National Labor Relations Act. It's in court in March. There is supposed to be some kind of trial. I didn't even know this was going on. But it's curious that this happened under President Trump's watch because I don't even think he knows He's on his way out, obviously. I don't even think he knows about this. But the Biden administration loves this, of course. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So the final thought is a plug. Out on May 3rd is my latest killing book, Killing the Killers. As I explained to you, it's supposed to be out last November, but they couldn't print them because of COVID, because the print plants were decimated, and now it's coming out May 3rd. This book is selling well advanced, and I'm very pleased. Best reporting I have ever done in my life. Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. So I will guarantee you that you will like this book and you will read it almost in one or two settings. You won't be able to put it down. That is a guarantee. I have never made that guarantee in any of my other books. Killing the Killers, order from BillOReilly.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Get it first. And that is the final thought of the day. We will have a new column on Sunday. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday.